AB, you there? Yes. It's South China Sea, right? So, not South. China. Yes. Yeah. We need to find out if we're live. Okay, we're live. Uh, my name is Todd Sedgwick. I want to welcome everybody to, uh, it's a great pleasure and privilege for me to introduce my good friend, Ambassador A.B. Culvahouse. And uh, A.B. was formerly chair of Melvinie and Myers, international law firm with over a thousand lawyers. And he's had a very extensive uh, uh, career in and out of government, um, starting with uh, being legislative aide to uh, Senator Howard Baker. And then uh, when Baker became chief of staff to President Reagan, uh, he insisted that the AB come along with him to become White House counsel for President Reagan. And there he worked on some of the legal aspects of some of the nuclear agreements. Um, and he's had wide experience in both the nuclear issues and in intelligence issues. He was on the, uh, he served as a member of the Federal Advisory Committee on Nuclear Failsafe and Risk Reduction, which recommended improvements in the nuclear command and control system, uh, and also served on the Counterintelligence Advisory Panel to the U.S. Select Committee on Intelligence. He was a trustee of Brookings. He helped uh, both uh, candidate McCain and uh, Trump uh, vet their candidates. Uh, we don't want to grill them too much about that this afternoon. but. Uh, A.B., it's a real pleasure to have you join us today. I really appreciate your taking the time. And the, the, the floor is yours. Well, thank you, Ambassador Sedgwick. Uh, always uh, good to be with you, my friend. And uh, I appreciate the uh, council uh, uh, and others receiving me. It's an honor to be here. And just let me say, because uh, I, I might forget to say otherwise, it was a, it was a particular and peculiar honor to be uh, United States Ambassador to the Commonwealth of Australia. Uh, Howard Baker, uh, my first employer out of law school, used to say that uh, public service was the highest calling. And uh, it was a, a rare privilege to represent uh, our great country uh, uh, in Australia. Let me do, just do a brief history of how I came to be ambassador. I was uh, uh, sitting uh, in my office uh, in August of uh, of uh, 2018, and I uh, get a call from uh, Vice President Pence, whom I've known uh, from the vice presidential selection process uh, with uh, my friend Lamar Alexander uh, uh, and uh, with um, uh, Jared Kushner on the line. And I, I knew that, uh, that I was about to have my arm twisted. And uh, basically the, uh, the issue was that we needed an ambassador to Australia. Um, uh, my predecessor, John Barry, had left in August 2016. Harry Harris was slated to go over there. Harry, who spoke to this group uh, not too many weeks ago, but Harry being the Indo-PACOM commander and with uh, Kim Jong-un uh, 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 raising uh, uh, issues and making threats in the Korean Peninsula, uh, Harry had been diverted to Seoul and we, had, we needed an ambassador to Australia. I quickly... Uh, uh, went to Canberra, I'd never been. Uh, it was a little bit of a setup. Uh, I was, uh, I, I didn't meet with the government, did not meet with the embassy, but uh, met with some uh, uh, people that had been recommended uh, by mutual friends. And uh, what really struck me was the Australian appreciation for the United States, the Battle of the Coral Sea, which we think of as a tie and many of us don't know that much about. 
Uh, they view as the battle that uh, the naval battle that saved Australia. It's a country that uh, has great reverence for its war dead. The Australian War Memorial is just a, a, one of the most impressive places. It's equally as, as impressive as Arlington. Uh, and um, there, um, there are more Australians can tell you than I think Americans can Australia, notwithstanding the fact there's only 25 million of them and there's 330 million of us, that uh, more than 50,000 American war dead in World War II in the Pacific, bodies were never recovered. They know that much about uh, the United States and think that we uh, essentially saved the bacon. Uh, so it was, it was a great honor to go there. Uh, I, uh, I, I was, uh, because uh, Corker uh, was, was a friend and was chair of the committee, uh, my uh, confirmation went pretty smoothly. Uh, once, the, uh, once we got the, uh, the uh, dipo, uh, diplomatic security to do their, uh, their background work, even though I had all of these clearances that Todd just described, uh, they had to start over. Uh, the uh, CIA clearances, DOD clearances, White House clearances uh, were not uh, good enough, which was a little frustrating. I suspect all of you have seen that as well. Uh, but uh, I was confirmed on the, uh, the last uh, Senate uh, day, uh, January 2nd, 2019. But I was out of sequence. There was no uh, ambassador school that I could go to. Uh, so they said, well, you can't go until you go to ambassador school. This is State Department. And then uh, the, uh, because of uh, a, a shut, government shutdown, ambassador school was, uh, uh, was uh, canceled. And then, uh, uh, so they were doing, uh, the State Department decided, well, we'll do a bespoke ambassador school. So I was rushing all over the government, meeting with every deputy secretary and assistant secretary, uh, trying to get uh, the equivalent of what you would get in ambassador school. Uh, and then finally, the foreign minister, whom I'd met uh, in a uh, sidebar, called me up and said, uh, call the house. If you're going to uh, do your job, you've got to get over here because we're about to, uh, parliament's about to be dissolved. We're about to have an election and uh, you've got to get to meet the front bench of both parties. So I arrived in March of uh, 2019, presented my credentials and then did a forced march through the front bench of both the coalition, that's the coalition of the Liberal Party uh, and the National Party uh, headed by Scott Morrison, and then um, uh, the Labor Party then headed by Bill Shorten. Uh, it was uh, uh, everyone in Australia except Scott Morrison uh, believed that uh, Morrison was gonna lose and that Shorten was going to win. Uh, everyone at the embassy thought that Morrison was going to win, uh, going to lose. And, uh, uh, but uh, we were fastidious in trying to, to be equal. Uh, but when I, I'll never forget when I met with the prime minister uh, at the end of the meeting, uh, he, uh, he asked uh, my handlers from the embassy to leave. And uh, he looked at me and he says, your guys are telling you that I'm going to lose, right? And that was a, uh, that was a moment where I decided to be candid. I said, uh, prime minister, yes. He said, um, most of my handlers think I'm going to lose, but I'm going to win. And I'll tell you, show you how. And he walked through his narrow path to victory. And uh, uh, we reported that back. Uh, the one thing that we did, I did do well, and it was by happenstance, uh, because of the, the resentment of the three-year delay, essentially almost three-year delay, me showing up, uh, which many Australians uh, took offense at. Uh, I announced at my first press conference just after I presented my credentials 
that I was going to visit all six states and the Northern Territory in the first hundred days. That's a whole lot easier to say than do. Uh, for us Americans, it's only six states, but uh, Australia is uh, geographically is uh, all, essentially as large as the lower 48. And uh, when you go to, uh, to a uh, state capital, there's a real rigid protocol. It's about three to four days, three and a half days of things you must do. You must see the premier. You must see the, uh, the governor who represents uh, Her Majesty. Uh, there's two, a couple or three universities, a couple of uh, uh, press outlets. And, and then uh, uh, there's usually an American uh, military or intelligence presence or two. But and so it turned out, even though it, uh, it was an arduous exercise, uh, I, 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 2020 was a year where you couldn't travel because of bushfires and then COVID. So I had really uh, done a lot of traveling in 2019 and that, uh, that served as well. Uh, Australia sits at the front lines of the great uh, competition of our time, uh, geographically, uh, militarily, intelligence-wise, uh, and uh, they're in a uh, interesting place. Uh, we are, and they will. They uh, when I arrived in 2019, and they will, uh, but they will say that we uh, are. Uh, their strategic alliances with the United States, their security and intelligence alliances with the United States, but China by far, then and to this day, is their largest trading partner. Their trading partner, not economic partner, trading partner, from iron ore to uh, stoking coal, uh, LNG, uh, a lot of agricultural products, as well as tourism, not anymore because of COVID, uh, edu and education. So about 45% of trade uh, for Australia is with the People's Republic of China. So that they, uh, they uh, were uh, quite... Uh, adamant about uh, trying to tiptoe through that minefield, so to speak, and, uh, and uh, take care of their economic interests uh, while being very realistic about, uh, about their economic interests. Uh, the PRC presence in Australia when I arrived in 2019 uh, was large and it was coercive. Uh, it's uh, even more coercive today, but uh, they had five consulates, we had three, they probably had twice as many diplomats as we did and, and, and a lot of undeclared uh, representatives and uh, 150,000 uh, Chinese uh, students, uh, probably 50,000 of whom uh, had, uh, were from the PLA. Uh, so it was, uh, it was uh, uh, quite, uh, uh, quite uh, stunning when you uh, uh, calculate uh, how much Australia uh, had been um, um, invaded, so to speak, uh, by, uh, by Chinese in a soft uh, power way. Uh, the uh, Australia, in addition, uh, is uh, Alan Glengell, who is a um, former intelligence officer, wrote a book called The Fear of Abandonment. And uh, I, I believe it's true. Australia, uh, from uh, dating back to World War I, where they felt that the uh, British used them as cannon fodder uh, in Europe. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, World War II, where you, uh, where the, after the fall of Singapore, uh, the British were pulling their troops out of the Pacific. There is a fear of abandonment in their DNA 
uh, and uh, they're, uh, I've some, uh, sometimes said, I've said this out loud, they're a little bit like, I'm an older sibling, I'm the eldest, but they're like a younger sibling. You can't tell them you love them enough. Uh, and uh, you can't, uh, and, and that, uh, that is something that we, uh, we have neglected somewhat. Uh, and uh, their, uh, their diplomatic core is small, uh, comparatively speaking. Uh, and their standard defense, standard uh, uh, introduction to anything is, well, Australia is a middle power, and as a middle power, we cannot aspire to a great power role, which I think undersells Australia. Australia has immense capacity for leadership in the region. Many, many other countries, particularly the Pacific Island countries, but also Japan, uh, India, uh, Indonesia looked to Australia uh, uh, for leadership, and um, uh, there is uh, even more capacity for leadership there. Uh, they, we also at the embassy used to talk about Australia uh, as uh, diplomats, and some of their uh, uh, cabinet officers using a country agnostic formulation. They would talk about the malign activities of uh, unnamed powers in the region. Uh, they would uh, complain uh, about uh, the concerns of, uh, of unnamed powers, uh, lack of respect for sovereignty, but they would never use the PRC word. Uh, they would never say the People's Republic of China. Uh, so it was, uh, that kind of captured where we were in 2019. Uh, we had three priorities. Uh, those of you, a couple of you on the phone know Howard Baker, but Howard used to say, if you have more than three priorities, you have none. And I'm uh, of that same school. Uh, and our first priority was to leave the alliance stronger than we found it. And uh, what we uh, felt uh, we needed to do was communications discipline uh, to talk about uh, the United States commitment to Australia to be solemn, be profound. Uh, and, and to a term that uh, Secretary Pompeo used when he gave a speech in Sydney in uh, August of 2019, unbreakable, the unbreakable alliance. And uh, uh, that sounds a bit trite, but uh, Mark Grossman, the great undersecretary, uh, uh, when I ultimately did go to ambassador school, said that communications discipline is so important in what we do. And I, I agree with that. And we would just repeat uh, that we're a Pacific nation, uh, we're a treaty ally. Uh, our, our commitments to Australia are solemn, uh, profound, uh, and unbreakable. Uh, also, I learned pretty quickly to praise what Australia is doing. We always had a great long list of asks. Uh, every time I would see the foreign minister, the defense minister, the intelligence officials, the prime minister. But you had to be both publicly uh, with the press and in privately, uh, praise them for the leadership they were showing and pushing uh, Huawei out of the 5G networks, uh, their uh, uh, foreign investment regime, which was uh, essentially reviewed all foreign investments, whether US, Chinese, Canadian, what have you, Japanese, but that meant they reviewed all uh, PRC investments. And, uh, and uh, other than the Port of Darwin, which was before uh, this regime was back in 2015, uh, I can't say that there were any uh, uh, investments in Australia and sensitive uh, sectors uh, that, uh, that I think has escaped uh, uh, that, that, that screen. Uh, the, uh, uh, 
there, there was a lot that happened in 2019. We had uh, a Marine Rotational Force Darwin, uh, the largest, we had 2,500 Marines training in the Northern Territory. We had the largest uh, talisman saber exercise, uh, which is a, a big naval exercise off uh, Brisbane. Uh, the Ronald Reagan, uh, my favorite U.S. aircraft carrier, uh, having worked in the Reagan White House, uh, was the, uh, fl our flagship there. Uh, I, uh, uh, the embassy staff uh, asked, uh, well, what, uh, whether I was going to invite the uh, defense minister to fly out to the Reagan. I said, no, I'm going to ask the prime minister. Uh, people said he won't do it. I called him. He agreed on the phone. And uh, we owned the, uh, that day. And it was, it was that, uh, uh, I, I think it, uh, you just need to, the worst he could say is no, uh, but it was a great day. It was a great day for the Alliance. Uh, the Australians also during 2019, uh, 2020, and I predict will continue in 2021, were engaged in a number of joint presence operations in the South China Sea uh, in uh, task forces of us. Uh, with the Japanese and others. And then of course, we had a state visit. Uh, uh, Scott Morrison in September of 2019, was uh, one of the uh, one of two uh, state visits and uh, state dinners in the Reagan administration. Uh, it was a, a great, uh, a great event. Uh, and we also got in, conducted some important business on critical minerals, on space cooperation, uh, outer space cooperation and on frontier uh, technologies. Uh, one thing, another uh, thing that was good in 2019, uh, given what happened in 2020 with the bushfires, is we had more congressmen and senators come to Australia in 2019 than any time since World War II. It, uh, it was quite, uh, quite a burden on the, on the staff, uh, but, uh, but it was really, uh, uh, it really, I think, it gave us a, a platform to tell the Australia government and people that that, that alliance was important. It was something that Americans uh, and the American government, both parties, uh, cared about. Uh, Australia during 2019 and 2020 continued to uh, to lean in. Uh, they obviously led the um, the uh, demand for an inquiry into the origin of the COVID virus, which uh, the PRC government did not like at all. Uh, but the World Health Assembly uh, went, uh, went Australia's way. Uh, they, uh, they joined us in uh, criticizing uh, the treatment of the Uyghurs. They joined us in uh, criticizing uh, uh, what is happening in Hong Kong. Uh, they uh, have uh, conducted foreign interference investigations under the statute and uh, have gone after uh, a couple of AIDS uh, to some parliament members of state parliament who are uh, effectively thought to be uh, PRC agents. And finally, uh, and this is a very important document, although it's, uh, it's misnamed, it's called this Defense Strategic Update. It's not an update, it's a new policy uh, where they uh, assume uh, that Australia may have to fight a kinetic battle uh, in its uh, uh, northern reaches. Uh, in the very near future and uh, uh, contemplate uh, further investments uh, uh, in that regard. Second priority was to deepen uh, economic engagement. The United States already was and is Australia's largest economic partner by far because of uh, foreign direct investment, but no one knew it. 
Uh, we've forgotten that had fallen out of our talking points. And uh, the, Amer the AmCham, the American Chamber, stepped up and uh, hired Deloitte to do a report. Uh, we went on the road and um, uh, proselytized uh, that. And uh, you could see uh, it took two years of, uh, of disciplined communication, but uh, not only uh, the coalition government and the prime minister, but also a lot of the premiers, including labor uh, opposition leaders, uh, recognize that and are, are reminding the Australian people that the United States is Australia's largest and most important economic partner. Uh, we signed a uh, the Australia joined the Artemis Accords, which is the, uh, the U.S. initiative to return a man and to put the first woman on the moon and then to go on to Mars. And uh, Australia, because of its ge geographic location, its uh, uh, great expertise in robotics and harsh environments, uh, has a lot to, to, to add to that. And they're throwing in a fair amount of money as well. And uh, then uh, frontier technologies, artificial intelligence, uh, laser communications, um, and uh, all of that is exciting to younger Australians, which is a cohort uh, that uh, uh, we are not reaching and that we need to reach. Uh, and uh, I, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're trying to space uh, frontier technologies are particularly interesting to that. And then uh, finally, uh, um, our third priority was support the Australian step up in the Pacific. Australia, uh, as a matter of policy, uh, has said that they were going to play the leadership role amongst Western nations in the Pacific Islands countries. That's a huge expanse of ocean, uh, 10 countries, but not much, uh, not a great population, 10 million roughly, with the Papua New Guinea being the largest uh, uh, member there. Uh, where there's a real game of uh, whack-a-mole with the PRC government there and uh, uh, with the BRI initiative uh, uh, and each and every one of those small countries. Uh, a lot is going on there. Uh, COVID has interrupted it, but the Japanese, Australia, and the United States have created the uh, trilateral infrastructure uh, partnership. They're doing things like uh, uh, electrifying uh, uh, the, that vast part of Papua New Guinea that has no electricity, uh, undersea cables and whatnot. And uh, there's a, there was a lot of USID and law enforcement cooperation that was on the books and about ready to launch, but COVID, uh, uh, COVID interrupted that. Uh, finally, uh, I'll, I'll quickly, uh, Todd, uh, talk about 2020. It was biblical. It was, uh, we had, uh, I woke up uh, with the, all the smoke alarms going off in my residence uh, just after Christmas. Uh, and uh, the uh, uh, bushfires, uh, which were at that point 200 miles away, but the smoke uh, had set off all the bushfires for 17 days, I think it was. We had the worst air quality in the world in Canberra, of all places. Uh, with housing that was not, uh, which, which was not, did not anticipate that. We had a lot of embassy staff there that could not have received medical clearance to go to Delhi or Beijing, but uh, were, uh, were found themselves in Canberra in houses that were not airtight. And uh, it, was, it was a challenge. Uh, we got through that. It was uh, uh, less, some lessons learned. I think uh, in some respects, some of the uh, the protocols and processes that uh, 
the department back home and uh, the folks in uh, Australia worked out, uh, were adapted in COVID. Uh, and, then, uh, and then finally, um, uh, then we had uh, with the hard lockdown on the borders and COVID uh, uh, and uh, it's uh, 2020, uh, well, compared to 2019, I had one visitor, one VIP in 2020, uh, who was a, a head of SOCOM, uh, who snuck in right after the bushfires just before COVID. And so it was kind of night and day. Uh, and uh, now they have floods, so it is biblical indeed. Uh, with that, Todd, I, I think uh, the finally uh, Australia is, if you follow the news, uh, it's uh, Scott Morrison, who was very popular for a while, is less popular now, his defense minister and his uh, uh, attorney general uh, are both taking leaves, uh, uh, in part because of some tawdry conduct uh, that, is, that is going on in parliament. Uh, so he is now... Uh, he is now personally popular, but if the election were held today, uh, the, all the prognostication is that there might be a change in government. So with that, I'll, uh, I'll turn it over for questions. Well, uh, A.B., thank you so much for that uh, very lively behind-the-scenes account of your tenure. really appreciate your, your insights. And uh, I want to encourage everybody to ask questions. Use the Q&A tab. Uh, some iPads have it on the top, some on the bottom. So uh, find the Q&A and we have some good questions in the pipeline already. I just want to also share with my colleagues that uh, the good news that uh, Ambassador Culver House has agreed to join our Mary Band and the council. And we really want to give you a warm welcome to the council. Really appreciate your joining. So we look forward to seeing more of you in the future. I have, um, Oh, by the way, I just want to tell a story about my uh, uh, ambassador's school. I went to one, but there's certain elements of it that they, they didn't have. So I, I got held up for so long, I went to a second one. And then they said there, they said, what happened? Did you plunk out of the first one? <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, I've got, uh, I'm going to combine two questions here, A.B., one from Ambassador Cor Logos. Uh, they both have to do with China, and I think they could be answered in the same uh, narrative. Uh, China is branching out all over the world, Africa, Europe, South America. What are they up to in Australia? Is the Australian government keeping a wary eye on the South China Seas and the sea lanes, never mind that they are several thousand miles north? That's from Ambassador Carl Logos, and then from Ambassador Bliss, what advice would the Australian government give the Biden administration on dealing with China? I'll, an I'll answer uh, Don Bliss's uh, question. Uh, second, I, I, I think uh, it'd be one word, uh, presence. Uh, they would like to see more and continued US presence. Uh, the Aussies, uh, we used to say, well, uh, we have more, a greater percentage of our naval ships uh, present in uh, the Indo-Pacific uh, than, uh, uh, than we ever, uh, ever have. And they said, no, well, what you've done is just reduce the size of your fleet. And uh, so you've reduced the size of the Atlantic fleet, Pacific fleet stayed the same, but you don't have any more ships. You need more ships. Uh, but uh, I, I think they, were, they would uh, force posture initiatives is a big issue. 
they would like to see, whether it's the Marines in Darwin, they would like to see maybe an army equivalent uh, in, uh, in Queensland, uh, Coast Guard uh, in um, uh, Antarctica, uh, and uh, in the Pacific Islands, and of course, uh, our Navy. So uh, I think presence is all important. Uh, the Aussies are under a lot of pressure. Uh, the uh, wolf warriors uh, have, uh, uh, whether it's a wine, uh, a wine embargo, a barley embargo, uh, they're holding up thermal coal shipments uh, to, uh, to China, uh, not, uh, not coking coal, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, but they are holding up thermal coal. Uh, the, uh, the DCM at the uh, uh, PRC embassy in Canberra, uh, who's a real wolf warrior, uh, uh, DCM Wang, uh, called in the press and uh, listed 14 grievances that China had, the PRC had with Australia, including uh, defending the, uh, the demonstrators in uh, Hong Kong, uh, including uh, uh, supporting a, an inquiry in the origin of the virus. So there's uh, the, there's the, Auss the Aussies are uh, quite, um, they, they, they think of themselves as, uh, as very much on the front line of economic coercion. They think of themselves as on the front lines of uh, penetration. Uh, they're one of the uh, country agnostic uh, uh, announcements that uh, the, the Australians made in late 2019 was that both political parties and the parliament's databases had been intruded by a third party. They never said by whom, uh, but uh, it, uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who the logical suspects are. So uh, the, uh, I think the, the what, what they need and what I believe the new administration is doing, uh, based on what I've seen Jake Sullivan and um, uh, Secretary Blinken uh, say, is constant reassurance, as well as uh, uh, Kurt Campbell, who's now at the NSC, that we'll not abandon them, we'll, that they will not uh, be left alone. The U.S. Studies Center, which is partially funded by the United States government, ran a war game. Uh, while I was there, and I, I let me say, it was, it was not my, I, was, I, I made my displeasure known, uh, but the end result of the war game was that the United States, uh, and, and this was, uh, it didn't have to end this way, but the, 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 the way they gamed it out is that we abandoned Australia and left Australia alone uh, with Indonesia. Uh, to go head to head against uh, uh, the PRC and it didn't end well. That's, that's their fear that they will be left alone and it's gotta be addressed every day. There's a related question from Ambassador Bliss. Uh, what did you think of the Blinken Sullivan meeting with their Chinese counterparts in Anchorage? I guess the, uh, the real, we don't know what happened in the, uh, the private meeting, uh, but uh, you know, welcome to the, uh, welcome uh, uh, Ms. Messrs. Sullivan and Blinken to the world in which uh, uh, those of uh, Australia has encountered the, the past two years. The Wolf Warriors are in their ascendancy. They control the Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Beijing. Uh, the, uh, the DCM, who was a young and very aggressive Wolf Warrior, 
Uh, and this, by the way, is a Wolf Warrior comes from a, a couple of uh, Chinese movies uh, where uh, Wolf Warriors are people who, uh, it's kind of uh, the Chinese equivalent of our Red Dawn movie and not that I don't know if any of you ever saw the Red Dawn where some kids, uh, high school kids saved America from the Russians or from the Soviets. But in any event, uh, 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 we used to say when I got that we would like for the Chinese to get back on side. Uh, that, uh, that our vision of the Indo-Pacific uh, was open and uh, available to everyone who would play by the rules and, that, uh, uh, and who would respect sovereignty uh, and who would uh, not act in a corrupt, uh, corruptive and corrosive way. Uh, and uh, we would like to, for the PRC to get back on side. But I think the reality is as long as she is uh, the leader, uh, that uh, this is what we're going to be dealing with. And it, it's, it's good that it happened quickly. Uh, and, uh, it, uh, and it's good that uh, each of Blinken, Sullivan, and Campbell have said that they will, we will not abandon Australia. That's what Australia needs to hear. That's great. Uh, there are a few questions, uh, Ambassador, about the, the Quad, uh, which is the quadrilateral uh, security dialogue established back in 2007. Uh, involving U.S., Australia, Japan, and India. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about how effective it is? Is it functioning? How well is it functioning? Or poor, how well or poorly as the case may be? And what, what, uh, what's the uh, trend line? Well, the trend line is good. I'll, I'll, I'll go to the positive first because of the virtual meeting, uh, leaders meeting that the President Biden just had. Uh, and it sounds like it went well, and they talked about important things, including uh, uh, COVID uh, uh, vaccine uh, outreach in the region. Uh, I'm sure that in the uh, secure part of it, they also talked about uh, malign activities of uh, uh, the great strategic competitor from the north uh, in, in the region. But, but uh, when I went through confirmation, each, almost each member of the, of the Foreign Relations Committee, without exception, really, Democrat and Republic alike uh, said, uh, call the house when you get out to Canberra, you need to make sure that the quad is a real thing. That needs to be your priority. The uh, uh, India, Japan, Australia, the United States together can make a real difference. And I saluted and said, yes. And, and uh, so I get out to Canberra and I say, okay, uh, let's, get, let's uh, get started on the quad. And my staff looked at me and said, who's going to tell the Indians? And I said, what do you think? <laughs> and uh, as it turned out, the quad uh, uh, in the, the first decade of 2000 was active, uh, but uh, because of a change of government in Australia, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the Kevin Rudd labor regime decided to withdraw from the Malabar uh, uh, task force, naval exercises, which greatly embarrassed the Indians. And of course, the, the fleet commander from Alabar at the time went on to be chief of Navy and then went on to be the minister of defense. Uh, so uh, he, uh, he was not interested in seeing the quad occur again without the uh, Australians doing further penance. Uh, because of uh, the border incursions uh, uh, by the PRC on, uh, in uh, the Himalayas, uh, the, uh, the Indians, I think, have finally decided to forgive the Australians. 
Uh, the Japanese have been good marriage brokers, and uh, Australia was finally invited this year to rejoin Malabar and did. Uh, on a moment's notice, uh, they had a ship poised and up in Darwin, ready to go. And it, it, it steamed at full speed and barely caught up with the convoy as it, uh, as it departed the Indian Ocean. But, uh, but that's very important. And the part is especially important, uh, Todd, uh, because uh, the Aussies have opened our eyes. It, you know, the, the challenge is not only the Pacific, it's also the Indian Ocean. And that's the reason we're, uh, we're pretty disciplined about talking about an Indo-Pacific strategy. Uh, the South is also doing a lot more uh, uh, on the soft power side. Uh, as I was leaving, you had quad finance minister ministerial meetings. You had quad development uh, minister ministerial meetings, as, as you did also on the 5i side. So there's uh, uh, the, the quad uh, will be... Uh, both soft power and hard power uh, alliance, although it's very, it's informal. There's no formal agreements. There's no secretariat. It's uh, basically uh, something that is uh, recreated uh, uh, every meeting. Well, since we're on multilateral arrangements, I wonder if you could talk about Five Eyes, which is the intelligence consortium involving Australia, Canada, New Zealand, UK, and US. How well is that functioning? I think it functions very well. Australia is uh, the uh, the UK High Commissioner used to tease me. She said you wouldn't you wouldn't say this if you were ambassador to London, but uh, the Court of St James. But I, I I would say out loud that Australia is our most important Five Eyes partner. But it's because of us right now. It's because of Australia's uh, geographic uh, location uh, with the uh, uh, with the PRC government being so. Uh, uh, so active, but it's it's a uh, it's a uh, an alliance that has developed over time. We and it's based on trust. It's based on trust in one another's uh, uh, technical hygiene uh, and the technical security of our networks uh, and of our human networks and of the counterintelligence regime. And it's uh, and and what we do is uh, share raw intelligence. Uh, most of the presumption is that our raw intelligence will be shared with the five eyes partners. So that's part of it. Another important part of it, and this is particularly important in Australia's uh, case, is that we trust our five eyes partners uh, uh, to uh, occupy lanes in the road so the United States does not have to occupy that lane in the road to do collection uh, in certain areas. And, and we have confidence that they will do it uh, to our standards. And Australia occupies some important lanes in the road. And of course, we have some very sensitive joint defense facilities uh, in Australia as well, uh, which of course, if you fly into the city in which one of them is, the pilot will say, and if you look off to your left, you'll see the spy base, but it's uh, <laughs> in any event, this is the version or, uh, this is a Qantas pilot. I, 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 I broke out laughing when I heard that, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Ambassador Harris, uh, thanks you for your great uh, uh, discussion and also for your discussion of the Quad. He says, can you speak to Australia-France uh, defense ties, particularly regarding the agreement for France to build the Australian submarine force? And he says separately, what about the FPDA, the Five Power Defense Association? 
Uh, Harry, thank you for the softball. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, what are friends for? Yeah, what are friends for? Uh, Harry will then correct me on all the things I've said wrong. The, uh, by, by the way, the, uh, the submarine contract is, is worrisome. And uh, the, there's a lot of debate right now. The Australians uh, decided they did not have the infrastructure to uh, have nuclear-powered submarines. Uh, so, in the and uh, uh, and their Collins-class submarines are uh, are uh, antiquated or are going to become antiquated. So, they uh, contracted with the French to take a nuclear submarine design and convert it to. Uh, a diesel electric and it's uh it's behind and it's over budget and uh it is uh and, and it has the prospect of uh gobbling up a huge percentage of uh, australia's increased defense spending so that's there uh, that's the issue that we're all uh, worried about uh, it is uh, uh and of course, you've got the defense minister uh, taking a leave of absence, and this, this sits on, at the, on the top of her desk. Uh, the chief of Navy, uh, uh, Mike Nennon's very capable, uh, but uh, the issue is going to be uh, one that uh, uh, I'm sure is worrying, uh, worrying uh, Scott, uh, Scott Morrison. I, uh, you know, the French are becoming more active uh, in the region. You have French Polynesia. Uh, my, uh, the French ambassador, uh, uh, Christophe Pinot, uh, was recalled to Paris and has been rehatted as uh, uh, their, uh, their ambassador to Indo-Pacific advising um, uh, Macron. Uh, so the French are investing a lot, but, it's a, but all of us are going to have to work to solve the, uh, uh, the submarine program. Scott Morrison, Harry's last question on multilateral institutions. Morrison is uh, a real proponent and he's an interesting guy uh, and a far-sighted guy, but he thinks that multilateral institutions, uh, we, we shouldn't invest in one, whether it's five eyes plus two, the two uh, being Japan and France, or the G7 plus two, the two being Australia, and I, I forget the, the next one, or the Democracy 10, uh, but he he believes that we should use uh, several of those uh, to, to be the strategic foundations for multilateral cooperation, whether it's humanitarian assistance, uh, economic development, particularly economic development, uh, infrastructure development, uh, and intelligence. So uh, I, uh, I'll defer to Harry on how well all of these are doing, but uh, and I hope I haven't uh, misspoken too much. I'll, I'll get a bad grade from him, I'm sure. We'll check out the recording of Harry's uh, recent talk, which is really fantastic. Right. Um, and a question here from Ambassador Philip Hughes. What kind of relationship does Australia maintain with Taiwan? And can or would a Taiwan government ever consider Australia a source of even implicit support in the face of the PRC's pressures on Taiwan? Very good question. Uh, the answer is I don't know the, the answer to any of those questions. Uh, but Australia has done, uh, I think when I was there, at least two Taiwan Strait passages uh, and uh, uh, much to the dismay of, uh, of 
the PRC, and that was one of the 14 grievances that uh, the DCM Wang uh, uh, mentioned. But whether, but, but whether uh, Australia would uh, come to Taiwan's defense, I don't know. I, I do know that Australia has uh, uh, worked with us in fortifying some of the Pacific Island nations who still support uh, Taiwan and still have diplomatic relations with the Taiwan. So I, they, Australia views the Taiwanese as part and parcel uh, of the solution and pushing back against uh, malign uh, PRC activities in the region. Thank you. Um, you mentioned that you were talking in your discussion earlier about the fires and so forth in uh, Australia and the flooding. Did the fires and flooding, this, this is a question from, again, from Don Bliss. Did the fires and flooding this past year affect Australian policy on climate change? Climate change is a tough one for the Australians. Uh, when Scott Morrison sat me down and walked me through how he was going to win the election, uh, he had four seats in Queensland that were held by the Labor Party that he thought he would win because the Labor Party had mishandled the climate change issue. All four of these constituencies were constituencies that exported either liquefied natural gas or coal or both. And uh, he, uh, he felt that the Labor Party had uh, leaned over too far on the green side, saying that uh, the uh, uh, Australia is very concerned about uh, the, uh, the people are very concerned about climate change. Uh, they're anti-nuclear. Uh, the cost of energy is very high. Uh, it, it's, a, it's an oddity that way. It's a country that's awash in uh, fossil fuels, and particularly in LNG, which has been a great... Uh, 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 one of the contributing factors in the United States has reduced our carbon for, uh, footprint as we've uh, converted uh, coal-fired power plants to national gas. But uh, it, is, uh, it is a very difficult one. I've been uh, grateful and gratified to see thus far and knock on wood that the new administration has not pressed uh, Morrison uh, into a corner on climate change. And I think Morrison is he's, uh, like a, you know, a, a, a duck uh, whose feet underwater are paddling as fast as they can on, uh, on, on, on trying to, uh, to get to a better place uh, on, uh, on climate, uh, but uh, being a political realist. But just let me say, though, that Matthias Corman, uh, the former finance minister, uh, in uh, the Morrison cabinet, was just elected Secretary General of OECD. And he did it by taking a chart around to each and every member of the OECD and, and showing them that, uh, in, that Australia, notwithstanding the publicity, had indeed had, uh, had done more than most members of the OECD in reducing its carbon footprint, notwithstanding its bad reputation on um, uh, on uh, climate change. But at the same time, you know, how are they, uh, if they ceased exporting liquefied natural gas, if they ceased exporting coal, I, it's, it's, uh, I don't think that's going to reduce the number of coal-fired power plants that will be built in China or be built in other places. And therein lies uh, the challenge. Uh, I think Australia is... Uh, uh, but part of the frontier technologies that we agreed to develop together uh, with the Chinese, or I mean, with the Chinese, with the Australians uh, at the state visit, are, uh, are uh, to basically uh, 
re uh, reduce uh, carbon emissions, uh, carbon capture. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for carbon capture in Australia. Um, AB, just one, during this discussion, there was a news flash that came up on my screen talking about uh, the North Koreans testing a missile, testing a few missiles, which are gonna uh, test in turn the uh, Biden administration. I was wondering uh, what advice would the Australians have uh, for the United States in dealing with North Korea? Have they been helpful? Well, uh, Australia has been part of the, uh, the effort in uh, monitoring uh, activities in, the Demo uh, in North Korea, uh, as Harry Harris knows. Uh, they've also, uh, their Navy has been active in uh, enforcing the sanctions against North Korea. Uh, and uh, it's uh, 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 and, uh, uh, interdicting illicit trade. Uh, and uh, there's uh, some of the uh, joint defense facilities uh, in that part of the world are, are part and parcel of what we use to monitor uh, uh, what's going on in Korea. So it's uh, the, the Aussies are, uh, are supportive and uh, I think have been consistently supportive of U.S. policy uh, in, in Korea. Great. Uh, you were telling me a couple months ago about some social media controversies that came up in Australia, I think involving Facebook. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yes, it's... Uh, um, the... Uh, Australians are a little bit behind us, uh, you could, or maybe ahead of us, but in any of <laughs> how can I say this? The, uh, many of the, uh, of the print press in uh, the middle-sized uh, cities in Australia still exist, are still vibrant, uh, and uh, are, are quite active. And uh, uh, both the Labor Party and the uh, Liberal Party view those as an important part of their democracy. And they view the uh, the uh, Facebook and Google uh, not uh, compensating uh, those uh, those newspapers in the main and TV stations uh, somewhat uh, for their content to be undermining Australian democracy. Uh, Facebook and uh, Google will say that's because most of those newspapers are owned either by Rupert Murdoch or. Uh, are another uh, two other big chains uh, that uh, and uh, that uh, uh, they are uh, being supported. But uh, then you have on top of that uh, the Australian um, uh, white supremacists. There's no other way to, to, to describe them uh, who went to New Zealand to Christchurch, New Zealand, and killed. Uh, uh, 50 people, more than 50 people in two different mosques. And he was live streaming those murders as he was doing it, uh, uh, which uh, I think horrified uh, the Australian government and, and created a bad environment. So it's been a, uh, it was an issue that we dealt with. Uh, it was an issue we had to deal with carefully because uh, News Corp had reincorporated the United States. So as far as the United States embassy is concerned, the News Corp, was a U.S. company. Facebook was a U.S. company, um, and Google was a U.S. company. So we uh, uh, we were working very hard uh, to try to see if there wasn't an accommodation. It's a uh, uh, the Austrian government is totally unafraid, uh, just like they're somewhat unafraid of China, but they're totally unafraid of being the regulator 
uh, in this important area. And uh, when uh, uh, when uh, the U.S. companies have talked about shutting down Australia and did uh, did for a few days, uh, it just uh, the, the reaction of the public uh, and of the uh, both parties has been uh, support the uh, the government. So I, I think it's 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 to be watched. Uh, it's uh, uh, it's a uh, Australia is not a huge country, but it's uh, but again. A lot of the other countries in the region look to it for leadership and emulate what Australia does. And, 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 there, and, and that's the advice that I would give to U.S. social media countries that don't assume that you're talking about 4% of the world, assume you're talking about potentially 30% uh, of the world. Right, right. Interesting. Uh, we're getting to the top of the hour. Let me conclude with a kind of generic question. What, what did you find most surprising when you got proposed? Interesting. Um, one issue, one big issue, and uh, every one of our members of Congress have, a, you know, by the day that he or she is elected, have a top secret security clearance, right? Uh, we have many, many. Uh, uh, people uh, in the uh, public uh, who are now in the private sector who've had top security clearances. Many of them still have. There are very, very few members of the Australian government that have security clearances. Uh, none of the opposition. The uh, uh, Anthony Albanese, who's the uh, the opposition leader of the Labor Party, he didn't have a security clearance. The shadow defense minister, shadow foreign minister, they don't have security clearances. Uh, so when you talk and you talk about the threat from whether it's this country or that country or, um, or what, uh, you have to be really, really careful and you cannot assume that they know what you know. And uh, whereas in this country, I mean, uh, you go up to the Senate Foreign Relations Committee or the, or the House Armed Services Committee, and every, you know, all 50 people in the room yeah. uh, have a clearance. So that was the most surprising thing, Todd. And it, and it limits discussion. And it, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's good for operational security, uh, but it, it hinders diplomacy. Interesting. Well, A.B., it's clear to all of us that uh, the United States is very well represented in Australia. We really appreciate your service. We appreciate your taking the time with us today and appreciate your joining the council. I just want to, I think you can hear everyone. You may not be able to hear, but everyone's clapping out there for your uh, presentation today. And I uh, just want to thank you and uh, look forward to seeing you in, in future events. My pleasure, Todd. And uh, I can tell you're a diplomat. Uh, <laughs> 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 you're a, uh, Making a silk purse out of a sow's here, but no, I hope hopefully people got a little bit out of this. But my pleasure. Kathleen, I don't know if you want to conclude by mentioning or Jocelyn by talking about some of the upcoming events and the dates and so forth. Uh, feel free to do that now as we conclude. Um, sure, this is Kathleen. Um, so the next event that's going to be coming up on our schedule is going to be on Wednesday, April 7th, and that will be Ambassador Elena Marks, who recently returned from South Africa. And then after her, um, we have um, on Ambas uh, Ambassador Trevor Trino, who served in Austria on uh, April 13th. 
And then April 20th, we have Ambassador Chris Landau, who served in Mexico. And um, then we just recently, I've just been in touch with Ambassador Abizayim, connect from Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia. He is going to speak hopefully um, on uh, April 28th. So we have quite a lineup of uh, former members of the Trump administration who have uh, graciously agreed to speak to the council. So we're really, we're, we're really, really pleased with that. It's fantastic. Okay, well, thank you, Kathleen. Thank you, Jocelyn, for helping us organize this. Thank you, Ambassador, again, for a great discussion today. Really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you all the next time.